everyone has a right to feel safe on our streets. And at times when I look back at instances where I've had unwanted attention or I've been in a situation where something's happened, I know people have turned a blind eye, I know people haven't intervened, and what that could have done for me in that moment could have been very different. This is The Summit by Fearless Adventures. I'm Dominic McGregor, and every week my co-founder David Nunes and I will be talking to inspirational leaders about their experiences as they strive towards their summit. Hi everyone, thanks for joining The Summit. It's hosted here by Fearless Adventures. We're on a mission to talk to amazing entrepreneurs that are on a journey to a summit. Maybe they're on that journey, maybe they've reached it, maybe they're on a journey to a new summit. And today we're here with Emma, the founder of WalkSafe, one of our investments and our portfolio companies. WalkSafe is on a mission to disrupt and, 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 and challenge the way people think about personal safety and to ensure that everyone's journeys are as safe as they possibly can be. So we're super privileged to have you here, Emma, today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So exciting. Really grateful to be here. So take us back kind of to the beginning of your career. How did you start and why did you end up uh, with WalkSafe and this purpose that you have? It really did start probably with my own personal experiences. And I think that having the birth of my daughter kind of crystallised so much for me. And it was actually being on a family holiday with, um, you've met Andrew, um, my father-in-law, because we're a family-run business. And we were just discussing kind of our lives and, you know, the sort of thing I went through when I was younger, taking myself to school and just being a girl, those experiences. And they just couldn't relate. I remember we were away and we're having a glass of wine and just chatting over dinner and they were just shocked. I think it was then when... What what shocked them the most? Just that I... The stories, and they sound crazy, I think, sometimes, but they become my norm. And there were things that I probably wouldn't have gone home and told my parents. They were just things I got on with. And I kind of, yeah, me and my girlfriends, we, at the time, we would just laugh about it, try and shrug it off. And it wasn't until I got older and I was recalling them that I really realised, wow, actually, from the outside, from a male perspective, that sounds a bit crazy. So um, Richard, um, my brother-in-law, who um, was one of the original founders with me of the app, um, he's now got a different job, but um, he, he was with me and he was like, you know, we need to do something about this. This is just not okay. And that was kind of how the birth of it all was born. It was born off of that conversation. And I think at the time I had my daughter and I just, looked at her and I thought I can't really I don't want this for you I don't want in 10 years time when you're 12 which is when it started for me this just to be your norm and then I don't want to molly cuddle you and smother you and then not allow you to have life experiences there needs to we need to change society's perspective on this and we need to change uh, for the better rather than you know put a plaster over it how do you, did you deal with it then like you said you know you kind of it was in reflection that you kind of realise those kind of things were inappropriate and acceptable. How did you do it then? How did you and your girlfriends talk about it? How did you discover it was a bigger problem than just you guys experiencing it? Um, I think, like I said, we kind of just got on with it. I think everyone leads busy lives. Our parents worked. It was a case of no one could take us to school. The route to school was through a bit of a... Uh, not a very nice park and at the time we just relied on each other so it, it the rule of thumb was always you traveled with someone else you never walked alone and i think that you kind of use you know 
joking about it or shrugging it off as a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just in London. Yeah, and I yeah. think that now I, I'm close friends with one of my girlfriends who I went to school with. She actually doesn't live far from me now, and we've both got kids. And we talk about those things. You know, they they kind of stay with you. They never leave you. They're always something that you can recall, and it does shape you when you leave the house. And I think that the one thing we're so passionate about with Walk Safe is about prevention and trying to think about your safety before you leave the house and sharing your journey and all those sort of key messages that I talk about all the time they're really born off of that sort of trying to bring other people into that journey with you Um, because I felt a really big weight on my shoulders all the time to keep myself safe as a minor which is a bit crazy because I wouldn't really put all of that on my daughter when she's older um, I think that it's up to everyone, it's up to other people in our life. You know, if, if, if you're going to meet someone, they're part of that shared journey too. You know, I, I want to make sure my friend gets home safe and she'd want to make sure that I get home safely. And my husband would want to know if I'm getting home safely. So would my mum. I think that it's just trying to share that and try to kind of look out for one another. And, and, and that's why I talk about the prevention side because we, what we don't want in Walk Safe is for it to be in a position where you're in a really bad spot, then you rely on an app or mm. a phone call. You want to try and do something about it before you're in those moments. And obviously, you know, we take the right of the topic, the preventative measures that we're looking at with WalkSafe is, is one solution. What can, what could I do better? Um, good question. I think that in life, just people being, um, first of all, an active listener is always awesome. Being present in those conversations and trying to understand how it feels and um, what you could do. I mean, for instance, you know, if you're walking down the road at night, making sure that you're not walking directly behind. You might not even know you're doing it. You know, we all do this. We want to rush our heads down. We're texting. Just hanging back, being aware. Um, I think as well, the biggest thing for me is if being an active bystander. You know, so you're seeing something. I always say, see something, say something. And I think in life, we all do this. You think, gosh, if I intervene, what could happen to me? What could happen? Could it get worse? Now, I'm not ever saying that someone should put themselves in harm's way. But nine times out of ten, just by even saying, are you okay? Or do you need any help? Or just pretending you know them. If you're looking at some, if you can see someone's looking very uncomfortable and you can tell by someone's body language if a guy won't leave a girl alone, just maybe disrupting that in any way. Because I, I, have, I have done that before. I have followed someone I thought was at risk because other people were around. Yeah. And like, I didn't want, like in that situation, you're a little bit paradox because you're like, I don't want to add the situation, but I'm like, I know I'm like doing the right thing here. Yeah. Like, I don't want to make her feel worse in that situation by thinking, oh my God, there's so many people following me now. But I still think that's the right thing. I think that's the right thing to do. And I would do that every single time. 100%. And I think there are, I was talking to um, someone on our team. She's an ex-Met chief commissioner. Her name's Maxine. She's incredible. And she always says, in life, you can spot these red flags. And usually perpetrators, um, they do the same sorts of things. And they act in a way where um, I think sometimes if you're looking out for it you could perhaps spot it but I think even from maybe a guy's perspective I think you may get a vibe if someone's 
behaving inappropriately, if they're follow, if they're looking like they won't leave them alone or they're lurking around, just things like that. And that probably, perhaps, a, probably a different vibe from a male's point of view. Yeah, hundred percent, and because, maybe what we would see or yeah. be aware of. Um, so just intervening in that way could make a huge difference. And at times, when I look back at instances where I've had unwanted attention or I've been in a situation where something's happened. I know people have turned a blind eye. I know people haven't intervened. And what that could have done for me in that moment could have been very different. Mm-hmm. And so whereabouts are you on the journey at the moment? We've got a lot of very exciting conversations with some big businesses um, around duty of care, something I feel quite passionately about now, um, given the sort of line of work that I'm in. And working on our season two of our Talk Safe podcast, which has been wonderful because I've been able to really um, dig deep into some amazing work that some um, amazing women are doing. I've had activists and campaigners, a lot of female founders. um, So it's just been wonderful. And we've also had our events, um, which was amazing. Um, where we really discussed gender-based violence and some sort of tangible things that people could do to help themselves stay safer. So I think there's so much in the pipeline and Walk Safe is growing so quickly. We've got new team members, which are amazing. We've got a new developer on board called Andrew and he's been fantastic. So yeah, I kind of feel sky's the limit. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's really exciting. What to dig in Emma. So what's it feel like to build a business with such a big purpose? So we talked to a lot of entrepreneurs and and actually, we speak to a lot of entrepreneurs where they've maybe been successful, sold a business, and they're using that, that next chapter, actually, because they believe now they can, they've got the capital, they've got the time to go and solve a bigger problem, yeah. essentially. You're solving this, you're, you're sort of skipping a phase, really, in the mm. way I look at it. You're actually found this big problem, you're trying to solve it. But is it, how, is it, is it easy? Is it hard? You know, how do you raise capital for a business that... Frankly, you know, it's the, the route to a commercial path isn't, you know, it's not black and white. I, you know, I'll buy that stock, I sell it. Yeah. You know, talk us through, you know, we, we, the next generation of entrepreneurs need to be addressing these big problems. I think you're one, of, you're one of the pioneers, I think, of kind of first-time entrepreneurs trying to do that. Talk us through that. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, some days it's really heavy <laughs> and really hard <laughs> and I don't have anything together and I'm a mum and I'm trying to balance and... It can be really emotional and sometimes now I've been in it and I really care like to the point where you know I read the news and it upsets me I have sometimes I've had so many nightmares what I'm you know doing all this content and I have to discuss these things and I'm doing a podcast and sometimes it does feel really heavy and horrible and it you sometimes have to pull yourself out of that whole the world's a dark place and everything can be really bad and try to remember all the good that is going on and how everyone is working for a good cause um but it, it also has been such an amazing drive and lovely to have a, a mission and lovely to have, and I really feel strongly that everyone on our team, we've, we're a family-run business and we did not expect for this to ever be where we are now. But at the heart of WalkSafe, I think we all desperately uh, really care about this and we live, live, eat, breathe it. It's all, you know... My poor mother-in-law has to put a stop on it whenever I see my, <laughs> my father-in-law. She's like, no more walk safe. Where it just, it's all we talk about. And um, it, it was hard. I remember before when we were trying to raise investment with you guys, we had put a lot of 
our own money in and we were running on vapor like it was getting to the point where I'd, we'd all worked so hard and we were so near the finish line and we just needed a bit more help to keep going and to then make the next step and we didn't want to stop we had such plans we knew there was a need we were you know the downloads were showing us that we were having tons of interviews I, I knew what we were doing was needed and you guys came in at such a point where we were literally on our knees and we couldn't have gone any further but like I said we didn't want it to end there I think we would have been crushed we would have been so genuinely gutted because it would have it wasn't what any of us wanted and we were so nearly there and now we've got some amazing opportunities that I'm not really quite able to talk about yet but to be able to then reach more people and create something that could be free that could really help help to keep people safer just knowing that I know I could get there I just needed a helping hand so it's tough and I'd say for any founder keep going keep trying we're so lucky that Michael CEO reached out to you guys and you saw my vision and could see something in me and I think that when you genuinely care and you know you'll fight for it I think you've that will shine through and I think that just not giving up I think I don't know what plan B we're with a lot of plan B <laughs> discussions but we would have made it work but it would have been even harder so you know I'm just really grateful because I think when you look at the world you know the, the basic needs of humans you know we're at a point now where we are asking ourselves big questions you know we're looking at increasing life you know life sciences all these kind of discussions and, and this for me sits alongside those as the important questions societal questions need to answer <laughs> So for us, and I think for everyone on this mission, we're, we're trying to address something which is deeply, deeply important to society. Yeah. And for me, that's what we get out of bed for. You know, we yeah. get out of bed to try and support bigger problems than, you know, buy this stock, sell this stock. Yeah. Um, you know, everything we, we look at doing, everything we want to do is based on bigger questions, bigger challenges. And, you know, yeah, we, saw it, we, saw, we see it in you. We, you know, we had this conversation today. Every conversation we have, like you say, is difficult because it's such a sensitive and emotive topic. Yeah. But, and I always wonder this about mental health. It's like, why, why, why do people keep, keep saying, keep talking, keep talking? What does that mean? It just means that you have it front of mind. And like you said, to the moment where it becomes like Uber, where you sit there and you go, this is how I, do, how I live my life. That comes through having conversations and having it yeah. kind of present. It's banging that drum yeah. all the time. And embedded in, embedded in people's mindset that, you know, this is just something I can do. And I think um, I just love talking to you about it. And, oh, and thank you. I could, you talk, I could talk your ears off. I know. You'll be kicking me out. <laughs> but that's what it needs. It just needs that constant awareness, always talking about yeah. it. And it's interesting. We did a talk with the Home Office not long ago, and it was wonderful. I had loads of men who showed up. How can I help? What can I do? And it was wonderful to um, have that opportunity to speak directly to them. And um, they said, oh, is it... Um, you know, my, my wife walks three minutes from her tra- the train station to her car, but it's quite a dangerous three minutes. Does that still count as a journey? And I'm like, yes, it does. Of course it does. You know, at any point, I think we all forget in life that, you know, if you get off a train and then perhaps you've got to walk a five-minute journey here, then perhaps you get on something else and you've got another 10-minute journey. The journey doesn't end until your keys are through that door. And I think sometimes we 
you know, we forget that those bits in between where we could be distracted or where we still need to remember that we're out and about and just have that awareness about us and, and really, like I said before, just let someone know and take those sort of safety precautions. In my opinion, the awareness of WalkSafe and other safety products has a massive impact on not just the person using it, but also, you know, if every single person knew these kind of things existed, would it deter individuals from committing offences in the first place on the chance that that person they go to has this product? I think, of course it will. But when it comes to the usage, who are you seeing using it and kind of what areas um, do you see that the the best feedback's coming from? Um, So at the moment, um, given the recent news, our core demographic is probably about 75% women. But we have seen an increase of men and we are for everybody. Everyone has a right to feel safe on our streets. And we're very fortunate, actually. We've got some amazing case studies at the moment. And I've got a wonderful transgender woman called Kim who has just been working very closely with us. She gives us all of her wonderful feedback. I've also got um, another guy who um, is quite vulnerable and he gives us his sort of perspectives and where he uses the app the most and what he would like to see from us. And I think in order for us to kind of be better, do better, help more people, we need to be... more sensitive to um, different groups of people, gender minorities, and really understand where their concerns are, how they feel when they're out, what affects them, and really develop from that because we're only going to get better when we listen to what our users want and listen to their feedback. And I think that's where um, we need to kind of spend some more time because I'm just very aware so far we've been primarily women Mm. but um, I'm very excited to see what the future holds there because I think that um, yeah there's a lot more we can be doing and Mm. you know our case studies have been telling us that we can yeah really further that conversation. Uh, I think this is a great thing we've talked about quite a lot in terms of diversity you know people's perception of diversity sometimes is male female yeah but it's not no. You know, your experience as a female is very different to someone's experience as transgender, which is yeah. someone's experience as a guy. How do you view di- diversity in business in general? Oh, welcome it. I just think it's what the make- makes the world go round at the end of the day. I wouldn't it be boring if we were kind of all the same. And I learn the most from different people with different backgrounds. I welcome it. And I wish more... Um, I wish we had a, a bigger team and I'd love to hear from some different voices because I think they could bring a whole new fresh perspective to WalkSafe. At the moment, we are a small company that, um, because I'm fa- uh, it's a family-based company, obviously we're um, bright, uh, white British. So I feel that just having different backgrounds could be awesome. People from different sort of um, genders, like you said, would be awesome. I just think that... I've talked all I can about my side and I think in order for WalkSafe to be better, we need to hear from other people and that I, I don't know how they live their life, what concerns they've got, but I know that we need to hear them. So I feel that the only way I think we can grow properly is to be more diverse, to hear their stories and to learn from them and incorporate their concerns um, back into the app really. In terms of like partners, you know, for me, I think these are huge problems. You need to come together with partners to really solve them. Who are the best partners for WalkSafe? Who do you want to connect to? I'm very open to who we could talk to. 
but I just need them to share my vision. I need them to understand I won't compromise on my morals or things I see for the business for any amount of money. Being free for everyone and us having the same sort of moral compass because I think ultimately that's where we're going to do well is if our ethos is strong and we're all aligned and we're moving in the same way. I, I just think that's what my users want. They want me to be genuine and authentic and I'm, I can't do that if I'm going to want to partner with someone who doesn't align with me and my values so I'll, I'll quite happily be open but if it doesn't work I'm, I'm not going to force it and I've already so far kind of had that where I just thought okay it, it was one meeting didn't really go that well uh, first one I've ever had that didn't and I thought okay but do you know what I, I don't think we're going to be aligned and I, I, I don't I want someone who's going to do the right thing. And if you don't want to do that, you want to ignore a problem, well, that's up to you, it's your business, but that's not how we roll. Integrity and values, you know, it comes down to, you know, you strip everything back. And we've talked about the conversation about this around everyone, you strip everything back to the bare people. All you're doing in business is a hiring a bunch of people and sitting in a room together and sharing a vision. vision. Sharing a vision. And when you work with people, all you can do is kind of, your vision with their vision and if it intersects and goes on the same path together and reaches a, a great journey together then that's all you can do and it's all we've got all we've got is our word exactly previous guests have had on talk about planting that flag at the north pole or at the summit where they've achieved for you what is that what is that aim i'd love to see us make a societal change i think that um, I'd really like to be able to help people from the ground up and make sure the people who are needing the app the most, the people who are travelling late from work, doing those antisocial hours, um, I think, you know, that sort of pole in the ground moment for me is not as much of a kind of corporate or a, I don't know, winning something or an award for me. It's really about if we can change people's lives for the better, if we can help that one person mm-hmm. and if we can start to change people's perspectives and attitudes around safety where people are taking safety seriously and they are sharing their journeys and doing these things before they leave the house like we would order an uber just that you know making it an everyday thing for me that's real success do you think it's possible to have a world where there's no more sarah every moments <laughs> i think there's too much we still need to do um I think that the things that are going to really take, make the most change are going to be the things that take the most time. We need legislative change. We need to be talking about consent within education. Um, those are all sorts of medium and long-term things and things that I think could have the greatest impact. So I suppose for now, all I feel like I can do is keep raising awareness, keeping the pressure on people and trying to encourage people to take those sort of short-term steps now like mm. downloading our free app and yep. so kind of you know trying to avoid those random moments because yeah, they, yeah. They can, and those little things can end up putting you into some bigger situations yeah. could have easily have not been sarah yeah but it was always going to be someone yeah it's about reducing the opportunity of those situations occurring 100 percent, and i think that um these things, they take time. And I think, sadly, what we've seen is every time there's been a tragic case, there's been a spike in downloads and people rush out to take action and want to 
put things in place to help themselves feel safer. And then, as you can imagine, it becomes old news and then it pieces off again. And we just keep seeing this. Mm. And what I would love for it to be is it's something that everyone thinks about before they leave the house and it becoming more stable and just changing the public's perception of all that. Because mm-hmm. my mum my grew up uh, in Leeds, going to university there around the time the Oxford Ripper was very active and, you know, I had conversations with her about what it was like for her to be um, at university. And obviously when you're in heightened sense, people are much more prevalent, but it's at the... The, the, the attitude which you kind of probably have is that it's not going to happen to me. Yes, 100%. So w- when things are intense and things are high and things are on a bit of a spree, everyone's a bit like, okay, I'm on vigilant. Mm. But it's the it's the lottery situation where, yeah, it's not going to happen. It's yeah. like, statistically, it's not going to happen to you, yeah. statistically. However, statistically, it's going to happen to someone and that someone could be you. Yeah. So you need to make sure that all the time you are making the, the choices the best best for you yeah totally and I think that um even just little things like just listening to your gut and being aware of a, maybe a room when you walk through it where the exit just being and I, I it just makes me so sad that we even need to be having these conversations because you know wouldn't I love for us to live in a world where we didn't have to think this way of course I would but I think that the more you can just be alert and kind of listen to yourself when something feels wrong or if you feel uncomfortable, I think that's mm. just vital. Yeah. And, uh, to your point about having these conversations, I think we're in a situation now where we've got, we've got technology to be able to support and to stop this happening as frequently as it does and to a point where hopefully in the future we can eradicate it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as we guys, we love your mission because you're now doing something about you putting tools and things in place for people to be able to stop this happening because like you say I asked you could if we could ever stop it the feeling's probably not it's always it's something that's always happened has always existed and there's going to be have to be huge ramifications of this whole society to change so that's happening what we can do is really help people from from it not being them yeah, exactly. And giving people those tools within their toolbox. You know, I always say we're a very minute part of the solution. And I'm very aware that, you know, what one app what might work for one person, it might not for the other. Someone might prefer a self-defense class. The other person might, you know, might not even feel it's necessary. There's always different things out there for different people. But I think as long as we can even get that conversation going and, you know, keep beating that drum, I think it's uh, crucial. It's this shared ownership point you made at the beginning, right? The, 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 it's, it's shared responsibility for those journeys. It's not just you yeah. being responsible for it. And I think having technology that enables a sharing of that ownership, I think is, yeah, really exciting. Yeah, me too. I think there's going to be some really exciting new developments and partnerships, hopefully, that will um, be, um, yeah, working on. So I, I feel like watch this space with WalkSafe in the next six months. Thank you, Emma. It's always a pleasure to sit and talk to you about WalkSafe and the vision you share. Thank you so much. That was lovely. And thank you for listening. Um, check out WalkSafe, download it. It's a free app. Tell your girlfriends, tell your boyfriends, tell everyone about it. Um, and let us know what you thought of the episode.